today. I'm so glad that you're listening to Dr. Me First, a podcast all about authentic conversations between female physicians. Think, we just met in the doctor's lounge and we're finding out more awesome, amazing things before we have to run back and go see some patients. So I'm your host, Dr. Erin Wiseman, your colleague in medicine and your coach in life. And I hope that these conversations are bringing you encouragement, inspiration, hope, and fun to your life and your practice. Because this is a community of truth speakers, lifesavers, and fierce females who want to support one another. And we want to change the culture of medicine to make it more wholesome, make it more healthy, and make it more sustainable for all. So today is episode number 37, and I am talking with Dr. Bonnie Koo. She is a dermatologist who is doing some amazing things with women in finance women physicians who want to take a hold of their finance. You can find out more about her as you listen to the conversation, but I really wanted you to think about the question, what makes you feel rich but costs nothing? And I think that'll help sum up our conversation with that kick of encouragement afterwards. So here we go. Hey everybody, Dr. Erin Weisman back again with another amazing guest for you. This is Dr. Bonnie Koo, and she's going to tell you all a little bit about what makes her, her. Hi, thanks so much for having me on the show. Super excited to be here. Hope you had a great holiday as well. So I'm a dermatologist. That's my specialty. And so I practice general dermatology. I see adults and children. So I see all ages, newborn and up. I do mostly general dermatology, which means rashes, skin cancer, and I do surgeries as well. I do a touch of cosmetics. It's just mainly if an existing patient wants something like, hey, can you get rid of these wrinkles on my forehead and I'm doing their skin? It's like, okay, sure, I'll do it. But I wouldn't consider myself someone that people seek out for that type of stuff. So that's what I do in my physician practice. And I love being a dermatologist. I think it's one of the best fields in medicine for a number of reasons. Um, And then I also... I'm a mother. I have a 14-month-old now who is not walking yet, but he took his first three steps yesterday on Christmas. So that was exciting. And the whole family was here. So both sides of the family got to watch that. I actually did not, was not in the room when that happened, but that's okay. Um, And I guess I do have a side gig, although I never thought of it that way, but I do have a blog and I write about personal finance and my audience is our women physicians. Awesome. And so that's kind of how I pick the word that we're talking about today. Am I allowed to say it or do you say yeah, it? Yeah, you can say it. Okay. So I picked, I picked the word freedom. And I picked that word because if you handle your finances, you have freedom. I mean, that kind of makes sense, right? But I think to take that even a step further for physicians and even women physicians, I mean, just for physicians overall, I just think, you know, we are unfortunately dealing with sort of an epidemic of, you know, burnout, just unhappiness, dissatisfaction with being a physician, which is unfortunate because I do believe that, you know, I don't know the percentage, but I, I think it's well over 90%, if not 95%, that 95% of us love being a physician in terms of what it actually means, taking care of patients, making a difference. I think most of us went into medicine because of that, and we still love to do that. It's just that all this other stuff is getting in the way, and including, you know, decreasing reimbursements. I mean, money is one aspect of it, but just, you know, this extra, you know, basically doing things that you don't want to do. That's part of the job. So if you really get your finances handled, then you'll have the freedom to choose a job that maybe it pays less 
it's the job that you would prefer to work at. But you can do that because you have the freedom to do that because you've handled your money. And then when I talk about freedom for financial freedom for women physicians, I'm obviously very passionate about that as a woman physician and a mom. You know, even if you have a, uh, a spouse that earns just as much money or, you know, somewhat equal, the mom still has to do a lot of stuff, as you know. I don't know if you're a mom, Erin, uh, but we still get sort of stuck with uh, all the logistics of childcare, running the household, you know, planning vacations. It, obviously, every couple does it a little bit differently. But for the most part, you know, women physicians have two jobs, if not three. So that can get a little crazy, especially if we're working full time. So I just think getting the money handled, and this doesn't happen right away, especially, you know, with the way things are going with student loans. But you can get there uh, quicker than most people think. And that really gives you the freedom to, you know, be the mom you want to be, be the physician you want to be, and be the spouse and partner you'd let you want to be as well. Absolutely. What puts you on the path of making this mission of finance with female colleagues? Like what, what was it that kind of puts you to where you're like, I got to do this. I got to do this blog and put it all together. <laughs> Great question. Well, it's not like I woke up one day thinking this is what I'm going to do. I think a lot of these things just kind of happen, not by mistake, but kind of like randomly. So basically my last year of residency, I was at, I was in, I did my residency in California, UC Irvine. I had these two co-residents who always talked about money. Now I did not know anything about, I barely knew anything about money. I was a horrible example at that point. And they told me to buy the book, The White Coat Investor. I don't know if you're familiar with that book. So I bought it and I read it and it's a very quick read. And I was like, wow, huh? <laughs> it was like, wow, I didn't know any of this stuff. And, you know, honestly, thankfully I got this, my last year of residency before I got signed the job contract, before I moved back to New York city, which is kind of where I spent most of my adult life. And I really feel like if I didn't read that book, I would probably still be living paycheck to paycheck, to be honest, in New York city, which is easy to do in New York city. But so I read the book and I just started reading. I just started reading a lot. I read Honestly, I read many of his blog posts. I read other books. Just I was participating in online forums. You know, this was before Facebook groups really became a thing. I actually don't even know when Facebook groups started. But then uh, a, a friend of mine said, oh, I should add you to the, the, fi- the PMG finance group. I'm like, what's PMG? <laughs> you know, like everyone has that moment, like what's, what's PMG? Yeah. Because uh, I wasn't a mom at that point, so I guess there was no reason for me to really know about yeah, it. Yeah, there's definitely like a pre-PMG and a post-PMG yeah, exactly. our lives. <laughs> I know, I was like, what is this PMG thing? And then so she added me and I just started answering lots of questions. I would just comment on everyone's posts and, and then I kind of realized like, oh, I guess I know more than the average woman physician. Like I didn't really think of myself as someone like that, but it was, I was just answering everyone's questions. And at first I remember being really scared because I'm like, what if I say, what if it's factually incorrect? Like I don't want to steer people in the wrong direction. Um, and then I was asked to become an admin. Now I didn't create the group. A lot of people think I did, but I didn't. I am one of the administrators. And so I became an admin and nothing really changed. Just meant, like, just meant I could approve people to be in the group, but I was still answering lots of questions. And then a few friends were telling me to start a blog and I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I, I didn't even cross my mind to do that. And I'm like, that sounds like a lot of work. And then I said, well, you know, the white coat investor has a blog. Why, why don't, I don't need to start a blog. Like he already wrote about everything. That's, that's truly how I felt. And they said, yeah, but he's a guy and you know, he's got to stay in her wife. And you know, we want women like to hear it from someone like them. 
we all sort of know that's just how it is. So it's pretty easy to start a blog, you know, you know how it's, I mean, you, you have a blog attached to your podcast. I mean, it's like a hundred bucks a year. So it's like, it's a very low investment. Even if it doesn't make any money, who cares? It's like a hundred bucks a year, 200 bucks a year. So a lot of people do it just as a hobby to kind of get things out. So that's kind of how it started. And that was two years ago. I love it. And so in the last two years, how have things developed? So I just started writing and I had so much to write. And this is before I had a baby. So I just felt like I had so much time to spend on it. You know how it goes, right? So I, I, I just had so much stuff um, that I wanted to get out there. You know, certain topics that I felt were not hard, but just, you know, there wasn't anything really well written on the topic. And so I got that stuff out, out pretty quickly. And then it just started unfolding. I mean, I started a interview series, which is very popular, basically where um, women physicians fill out this, you know, cert, uh, interview questionnaire and it's just a way for other readers to read about other women physicians besides my, I write about my personal stuff too, but obviously I'm, I'm just one person and I'm a dermatologist and, you know, there's different types of specialties and all sorts of cost of livings out there. And so I think it's nice to kind of hear how other women are doing it and they're all at different phases in their sort of financial journey. So, cause I don't want, I don't want someone to come to my website and think that, they can't get anything out of it because they haven't reached X, Y, Z yet, if that makes sense. So I think that series has been really great for readers. And I've started to do a little bit of speaking, uh, you know, giving lectures on finances. I started just sort of local giving talks to my own Durham residents when I was on faculty in New York and then medical students. Um, I've done some speaking at conferences now. So I just, it's a topic I love talking about. Um, and then I think the best part is when I get a personal message, an email, et cetera, just, you know, thanking me for help, you know, helping them directly or indirectly because they've, you know, gotten their sort of lives and lives in order. Yeah, because there's so much things besides just the dollars and cents. Like we all have some sort of story or beliefs that are anchored in our money, you know, like our mm-hmm. money story. Oh, yeah, and totally. I think it's so great that like you said, like, yeah, you know, the white coat investor, he does a great job and, you know, good blog and good information. But I, I think it really is so important for other people to see like your secret sauce. Like this mm-hmm. is how I screwed up. This is how I got myself, you know, better. This is what's going on now. Let's share stories of other women physicians. Um, because I mean, it's just factual. We know from studies, um, as women, we don't advocate as well for ourselves at the time. Mm-hmm. We don't negotiate as well. Um, we are responsible for the checkbook most of the time, um, whereas our male counterpart physicians, you know, many of them, their their wives are stay-at-home moms or not in medicine. And God help those dual physician families. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. I think it's – I don't want to say difficult sort, but there's challenges to, to – um, two high powered careers if you have a family. And so every family kind of has to figure out what works for them, what doesn't work. And I found it difficult, you know, in my family, you know, my, my fiance, we're not married. He isn't, is not a physician, but has a very demanding job in terms of time commitment. Um, and I, I work four days a week, so I guess that's part-time technically, but that's, I, it's still challenging for me to do those four days, do all the mom stuff, 
have a blog, have a blog and podcast on the side. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's extra stuff. I've extra work that I've created for myself, but you know, just the household stuff, you know, it's, it's hard to do all that and be sane, you know, cause I, I still want my own time mm-hmm. as well. So I think it's, it's, it's very individual what works for every family. So I don't think there's a one size fits all. Well, I think that's true too. Like as we're talking about money as well and the freedom that comes around money, just knowing that, someone else's equation, you know, what they wrote their book on or, you know, it probably has some grounding in it, but ultimately you have to kind of take it up and evaluate it and kind of make it your own as well. Yeah, no, totally. And, you know, one thing I want to say is when I first started all this, I was just sort of mired. I'm one of those people that once I discover a topic that I want to learn more of, I'd like kind of literally read everything about it and I want to become an expert in it. You go a little gunner on it. I go a little, little crazy, right? I mean, (laughs) so I I spent a lot of time like learning the nuts and bolts of different, I mean, basically stuff that pertain to me. So I know a a lot about certain things, but there are certain topics I really don't know much about when it comes to finance. That's because I just haven't done it yet. Or I just like, for example, real estate, I just started reading about it. Everyone's been telling me you need to learn about real estate. And I was like, that sounds hard. <laughs> so even I have my, you know, areas where I'm just like, uh, no, but, uh, so I spent a lot of time learning the nuts and bolts of retirement accounts when I started my first attending job. I worked for a large hospital. And so they offered all these weird accounts with different letters and numbers, you know how it is. So I spent a lot of time learning the nuts and bolts. And I feel like that's kind of, I think that's where people can get a little sort of scared or turned off, you know, because it is a lot of, boring stuff. So I think you kind of have to, you have to learn some basic boring stuff and then you get to what I call the fun stuff. And when I mean the fun stuff is where you really can start doing stuff like, well, when, when will we become financially independent or FI or FI? You know, FI is kind of the sexy acronym thrown out there, which stands for financial dependence, retire early. I don't think many physicians are looking to retire early, but they would definitely love to become financial independent, which gives them choices, right? Choices to work less, maybe move to a higher cost of living. You know, there's just so many variables. So when I say the fun stuff, I mean, I'll give you an example of something fun that we're working towards is we plan to semi-retire in about six years and move to Hawaii or California. So what what does semi-retire mean? It means that I've got, we've gotten to a point where we don't need to save more for retirement. It doesn't mean we're financial independent. It just means that we can kind of make less money, maybe even 50, maybe even decrease our incomes by half because we're not trying to stuff the accounts as much because we've gotten to a point where compound interest can kind of do its thing for another 10 or 20, 10 or 15 years. I'm not sure if that's making sense, but that's kind of where we're at right now. Living the love off interest once you get yeah. all those things all filled up. Absolutely. I know. I've, I've seen more and more, um, I guess, professionals, I say, because it's not just physicians, but just kind mm-hmm. of there's a movement right now in our age demographic of being like, we don't want the silver watch. We don't want to work, you know, it, 60 hours, 80 hours a week, and then the next week be done. Like, it just, it's a different kind of flow. I was talking with one of my friends. She's a mentor. She's about 30 years, my elder. And she was talking about that with me because this is kind of what I've done with my career path is, um, changed it. And she was telling me just about this PBS special, I think is what it was on and how our, our age demographic is doing work differently. 
and that's okay. You know, if you yeah. figure out the numbers and cents and you get past the fear of the unknown and you, like you said, you get to the kind of the fun stage. Um, it is, it's really exciting to look towards the future instead of dreading hitting your, you know, every time your feet hit the ground in the morning. I like what you said. I do think it is, it is a paradigm shift how our generation is looking at work. It's, I think we're sort of not accepting that, okay, you just have to work for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years after college and then you retire. I think we're sort of looking at life like we want to live the life we want now and not wait until we retire. So I think that sort of mentality is changing. Well, and looking too and realizing that no matter what path you pick, there's sacrifices. But mm -hmm. what are the acceptable sacrifices and what in your life is totally has no place? Right. Yeah, I know that's one thing. Um, so I have three kids. So mm -hmm. motherhood times three has definitely changed my perspective on that. Oh, yeah. As mm -hmm. well with all of that. Well, I just jotted down as you were talking, and I hope this is not too corny of a question, mm -mm. but <laughs> what is something in your life that makes you feel free or gives you this sense of freedom and costs next, next to nothing? I'm not sure if this is exactly answering your question, but we paid off, we became debt-free about a year ago, and there is, there is really no, it's hard to describe what it feels like because, and let me just backtrack a bit because I'm in, I see the question over and over again, should I pay off debt or should I invest? And the math can go either way, but the, the emotional mindset of paying off your debt is, it's kind of priceless. It's huge. And, and I will say that it came, it actually helped us a lot because we actually moved a year ago. Uh, we moved from New York City to Philadelphia. I mean, obviously we have to get new jobs and my job has not worked out 100% yet financially. Um, and how many people out there could say that they literally took a 50% pay cut and they were still okay? Like that would, that would be catastrophic for most physician families, I think. Um, but because we didn't have a large student loan payment to pay and we don't live within our means, we live below our means, I should say, it's been okay. Like, it's not ideal, but it's been fine. Yeah. And so I, I got to say, being My heart is beaming right now because that's exactly <laughs> what the Wiseman family does too. We don't have car payments. Mm -hmm. uh, we yep. are doing the, uh, we debt snowball my student loan. So we, uh, let's see, three months ago, got under the six figure mark. Whoop, whoop. So we're whoop. going down the hill as far as I, It feels that. good, right? It does. And I think- so much of what comes with debt, it's not just a number, it's not just the statements that come in the mail, it's all that emotional baggage that goes along with it, like the dread of like, oh shit, how am I going to pay this? Or, oh my God, how long am I going to have to keep doing this job with this income so that these numbers keep going down? Or just being to the point, like the other day, our minivan broke down, it's paid off, we have a little, you know, savings account for mm -hmm. repairs and that sort of thing, and we're like, we're fine, we just go get some money out of there, because we don't have credit cards either, we live on cash, we're, we are um, totally ah. an agricultural type family that uh, we trade, barter, or cash it out, so. That's awesome. So yeah, I totally get that, because... Um, but then I think you have to ha you kind of have to have the flip side of that. You have to know like what that kind of felt like that then once you get the chains and the shackles of debt off of you, you're like, oh, praise Jesus and dance <laughs> around like crazy. 
Yeah, it's 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 it changes how you think about money, and it, it you really have no desire to go into debt ever again. So, yeah, it's big. I remember. So, um, my my family, my dad raised me, and for college, he's like, "Kid, there's no money. You got to get scholarships <laughs> or go to the military." And so then I knew when I wanted to go into med school, there was no money. Like it was right. it was on me. And I remember sitting down. So I'm a DO that went to a private osteopathic. Um, medical school. And so as I'm sitting down and I'm like looking at the numbers that they sent me for financial aid, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> this is my first year of med school and this is how much you're going to bleed me out. And I remember luckily my, uh, he's my fiance at the time, but my husband now was like, it's going to be worth it in the end. And it is but that debt load, it feels like a whole ton of bricks on your back as you're trying to do the strenuousness of medical school and education and then residency and all of that business. What do you see to the future as far as like training our future colleagues with medical student residents? Do you think that the debt load is going to change? Is there anything on the horizon that you can say with that? What are you seeing in the financial side of it? I mean, I, I don't know which way it's going to go, but it's clearly unsustainable because, you know, no one's going to go into certain specialties anymore if they're going to keep graduating. You know, so I was looking at my, I went to med school in New York City, went to Columbia private school. I just looked on their website and it costs $90,000 a year to attend that school now. So tuition, tuition is about six years, 65 grand, which is crazy because I don't, feel like I graduated that long ago and that's significantly more than what my tuition, my tuition was 40,000, which is still a lot. Mine was 40,000. 40, yeah. Yeah. It was around 40,000. So now it's 65,000 plus the cost of living in New York city is more expensive. They have subsidized housing. So it's, it's not astronomical to live at school in New York city, you know, but they, I think they, with all the fees, it's $90,000 a year. So 90 times four, that's 360 plus interest. So it's going to be more than 400 grand. Let's just let's just be honest. I can't, why would anyone become a pediatrician if they have that much debt? I mean, it, I feel like it's just, it's, it's forcing people to make choices based on how much money their specialty is going to make. Now you heard about NYU just announced free tuition. So Columbia is heading in that direction. They just got an endow, uh, a donation of $250 million. So, but it's not enough to pay for everyone yet. So they're, I guess they're a getting trying to get more money and then they're going to invest it obviously. So it's going to eventually be able to pay, uh, you know, tuition for everybody. Right. So that's what, so that's true, what they're, because we're taking our best and brightest young people. We're strapping them down with debt and then they get out, you know, and I always, you always hear about the programs, like, you know, the national programs, military, mm-hmm. um, you know, certain hospital systems will sign in, you know, docs and, you know, do payment programs and that sort of thing. But I'm with you. I'm like, why do we even need to have, why do we even need to like do some trickery with it? Or yeah, exactly. Why would you go into a primary care specialty knowing that this is going to take you decades to pay off because you don't make the same amount as a subspecialist? Now, I will say most medical students, I I think it's slowly changing, but for the most part, they're really not thinking about uh, how much your specialty is paying with regard to their debt coming out of medical school. But I think, you know, that they really have to at this point. I mean, can you imagine having a half a million dollars in student loans and making a hundred grand as a pediatrician? That's just, that's devastating. 
it's just ungodly. It just, it's, it's just ungodly because, you know, those people are, you know, I'm primary care by training and you go into it because you feel like that's your calling and then your calling just spit you in the face <laughs> when it comes to the real life stuff. Yeah. And then with, you know, as you and I know, cause we're, uh, we're practicing is, you know, the re- every year we're the only profession I think in the country or in the world where we, we are, we basically take a pay cut every year. If you think about it. What other profession does that? Everyone else is getting a raise every year and we're literally getting a pay cut every year. So it's, it's not sustainable and something will, something will have to happen. And I'm not quite sure what that is. But in the meantime, I feel like what I can do to contribute to physicians out there is to, you know, really, they, this is such critical education. Yeah. So um, for our listeners, if they want to come find your blog, hang out with you, all of that, where do they need to go? So uh, quite a few places. So my blog is MissBonnieMD.com. That's M-I-S-S-B-O-N-N-I-E-M-D.com. My Twitter and Instagram handles are at MissBonnieMD, although I'm not super active on that stuff. I mean, who has time for all this, right? Um, I also, that Facebook book group I mentioned, that's called the Women Physicians Personal Finance Group. Now, that is a secret group, which means you can't search for it, kind of like PMG. But we do have a an, a sort of an admin account where people can send a message and request access. And that's Doctora WPPF. So that's doctor with an A, WPPF, which stands for the group name. And just send a message there and then we'll, we'll get you in. And it's the group is only open to women physicians. So we don't allow non-physicians. And we find that to be important. So it's a safe space to kind of discuss things, you know, yeah, certain, among certain colleagues. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll get all of that put in the show notes for everybody. Thank you so much for coming and talking about financial freedom with me today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Miss Bonnie is the shiz, guys. Didn't you just love that conversation? I know that I did. I love the word freedom, and especially when it comes around our work and our money. I think it is so important that we not feel tied down by an imaginary number because that's really what money is. Anyway, getting back to that question that I asked you before our conversation, what makes you feel rich but costs nothing. This was a question posed to me by my own coach, Susan Hyatt, who's absolutely amazing. If you haven't checked her out yet, you need to go listen to her podcast, Rich Coach Club. But anyway, she asked this question to all of her guests because I think it's such an important part that helps us whenever we're trying to focus on making money to realize that there is so much richness already in our lives if we just take the time to look for it and look at it and recognize it and acknowledge that our our life is not revolved around money. Money is just there to enhance our life and to bring more richness with it. So ponder on that question a little bit and I would love to hear what your answers are. You want to know my answer? What makes me feel rich but costs nothing? My What my richness is, is a Sunday morning where I get to go to the forest and trail run with my best friend, Beth. I get to come home and do absolutely nothing but be with my family. That makes me feel like a true rich princess, no doubt. The only thing better is if my husband makes pancakes while I'm gone. 
What is it for you? I'd love to hear about it. Send me a message. Interact with me on social media. And always remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. 